Welcome to the Rhythms Podcast. I'm Brian Wise, editor of the magazine, and my guest this week is William Crichton, who hails from the Riverina in Wiradjuri country and who has quickly established himself as one of Australia's foremost contemporary songsmiths. His highly anticipated third album, Water and Dust, was released in February, and I caught up with him by Zoom just before he was scheduled to do some supports to Midnight Oil on their farewell tour. Congratulations on the new album. Thanks, Brian. You're going to be supporting Midnight Oil soon, which is kind of appropriate, as you recorded some of the album at Jim McGinney's studio. More about that later. Uh, so that'll be pretty exciting. Can't wait. It's a huge honour to be a part of their uh, their final tour. I'm kind of hoping it's like a John Farnham final tour that they come back, but I kind of get the sense that it won't be. I get the sense that it will be the last one as Midnight Oil, but, um, you know, so it's a huge... Huge honour to be a part of it. They've been doing it for a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's who they are, I think. You know, they're, in my opinion, um, before I even struck up a relationship with a couple of the fellas, it was, um, you know, they're one of the most unique, uh, innovative bands uh, ever, I think, you know, in, in Australia, you know, and in, and in the world in a way. Like, they sort of, those early records, to me, fused punk and psychedelic and, you know, it was really, really cool, but they uh they'll go down as one of the best your song so the theme of your many of your songs is going to fit in nicely with what midnight oil are doing aren't they i hope so yeah you're you're singing about a lot of the same things that they're singing about well i mean singing a lot of the same things a lot of people sing about you know in in my own perspective it's uh they're just things that are pretty natural to a human experience if you're if you're looking at them, you know, where the, I, I imagine you're referring to, you know, the environmental uh, sort of slant on some of the songs. And, and that's, that's because I'm passionate about that. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute, but you're going to be down in Victoria uh, soon for the Riverboats Festival, aren't you? In fact, next week. That's right. Next Friday, I'll be there playing at 8pm. Uh, that's a great festival down there. I first played that a few years ago and and uh, had a great vibe down there, so can't wait to get back down there on the banks of the Murray near there. I, I spent a bit of time, actually, as a kid in Moama, um, which obviously is just over the river from Machuca, so I know the country well. Hey, um, are you bringing your band with you? I assume you are. Yeah, I am. That's yep. Be, uh... Uh, most, of the, most of the band, um, William Barton won't be there. He's, uh, he's got some stuff on with the symphony orchestra, but he'll be... He'll be at the at the oil shows, and in April you're heading off to Europe. Actually, uh, May now we've had May. to um, yeah May we've had to postpone those uh, UK dates until May because we're going now. We'll be gone from May fifth through to August thirty one. So that was a it was a long stint, and with things the way they are, it just seemed like we needed another month to to get things sort of in a line to go and. Uh, you know, get the family organised here and, and be able to set off. So, you know, we just postponed those ones. They were post, they were postponed from 2020, I think. So, you know, they, it, what's another few months? Have you been over there before? Yeah, I've been over there uh, three times before. So it's developing nicely in Europe. Um, obviously, we've had a two-year break, but it'll be good to get back. What's the audience response in Europe? 
to the songs, apart from the Australians who might be in the audience, and I imagine there'd be many of them. Well, actually, there's not that many Aussies in the audience. I find there's a few who find out I'm playing and they come along, and that's always awesome to see. But it's, uh, you know, <laughs> we've mainly been developing in like Denmark and Sweden and and uh, a little bit in Germany and the UK, um, and that's been going really well. Good responses, and uh, you know, I sort of play in the in the few of the Americana scenes or the folk scenes or those sort of things, and it's a it's a natural progression, I guess, to tell stories of where you come from. You know, that's what everyone else is sort of doing from different places. So I think a story tra- uh, transcends the the locale of it. And, um, uh, and, you know, so far it's been positive to positive response, you know, and that's why we're sort of going back. Great. You talked about telling stories. You're a great storyteller. And I'll talk about that in a moment as well. But uh, Water and Dust is a title that almost sums up Australia, doesn't it? It certainly conjures up a powerful image of Australia, doesn't it? I think so. Yeah, you know, it seems to be what we're all made up of on a on a cosmic level too you know and, and on every level it seems to be that sort of balance of things and uh it it that's when i was growing up out in the riverina and whatnot it was either it was either real wet or real dry so it was a, you know it's a it's a nice little uh night leads into that nicely i think it probably still is exactly the same yeah Exactly. We're a nation, we're a country of extremes, that's for sure. We are. Uh, and of course, water is going to become much more important over coming decades, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially the quality of water. That's the thing what we're, we're really going to notice. I think there's always going to be the same amount of water on the planet, but it's the quality of water, whether we're able to actually use it to grow things and, and, uh, and drink is the main thing that I can foresee being a problem. Well, you know, science foresees too, and blackfellas foresee. Every, you know, everyone's foreseeing that. So hopefully, we can do something about it. recorded at Jim Magini's and, and Rob Hurst is playing drums, which you can tell as soon as you hear him. He's, there aren't many drummers as powerful as Rob. So how did that come about? I know that Jim and Midnight Oil have been a big supporters of yours for a while now. Yeah, they have. Um, well, we started the record. Most of the record was done. Uh, uh, well, 50-50 of it um, was up at Christian Piles at Goon and Jerry, and then um, we needed to finish it off. Um and so I was talking to Jim and he mentioned that he had a studio and he invited us to go down there. So uh, we did. And yeah, it's a great place there at Oceanic. 
and I was just yarning to Rob, and I said, "Oh, we're down here. Come down and play some drums if you're into it." And he and he was, and he came down, and he played on uh, he played on two tracks. Um, one is uh, one is on the album, and one will be a bit of a bonus a little bit later. But uh, he, it was an amazing experience to record with him. He certainly lights up the room. Um, I remember the drummer. Uh, the bass player, rather, James Hazel, when he came out of the drum room, he said, it's like playing with a jet taken off. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know where um, he, I don't know where he gets the energy. He's got he's to be the fittest uh, man in uh, Australia, but he, he reckons he doesn't go to the gym at all. Oh, he wouldn't have to, the way he smacks those drums. I mean, and, he, and he's a hell, he seems to be a very healthy fella, you know, on the dark chocolate and strawberries, and he rocks up. He's within a couple of, you know... Didn't take long, and he had his shirt off, sort of thing. He was sweating like a, you know, it was it was it was a great experience. And then Jim, Jim's sort of got a quieter demeanour, but equally as wonderful. And uh, and to have him playing some keys and some guitars uh, on on quite a few of the tracks actually was a was a real blessing. So you know, and then we we had some really good drummers on the track on the tracks. Uh, Matt Sherard played on a few, and and Luke Davison played on a few, and of course Rob played on one. So it's a good diverse sort of spread of drummers hey um jeff lang's in there too isn't he somewhere absolutely yeah he's on every track pretty much he came up to uh, uh up to goon and jerry with us and up to uh oceanic too and he's uh playing in the band now which is awesome it's so good to have him on board and as a creative force you know because he's never stock he never just plays stock things he's always you know on the trying to investigate the parts and, and, and see what the song's about and really gives his heart to to the uh, performance, which is, you know, which is rare. Sometimes you get session guys who aren't like that. And that's, you know, and so not to say he's a session guy, he's a he's an artist, so it's, uh, it's a different thing. But he, um, yeah, working with him was really great. Um, your other two albums were pretty powerful, but this is like the biggest sounding album I think you've made. It's... Uh... It's amazing. Is that what you were aiming for? That big sound, big. I mean, obviously, you wanted a powerful sound, but it's uh, it's a big sound. Yeah, we thought. You know, I always this album. I wanted to have more of a sort of uh, large sort of soundscape. Um, I had a vision to incorporate the uh, you know the, tr- the the traditional rock and roll instruments and some folk instruments, but also, of course, Bardo's didgeridoo um, and his input on it. So you know, that's going to end up being quite a big sound. So we just went with that. Um, the other uh, records too weren't really recorded in a studio. They were recorded in houses, whereas these two, uh, this Water and Dust was recorded in two, you know, really nice uh, places. So we were able to really uh, experiment with the with the sounds and, and spend a bit more time getting them and, and recording more at once and sort of just more more tools to, to use to, to create what we had in mind. Yeah, bro, let's give it a crack. Driving down the street of Cessnock, past the servo and the swimming pool, solid rock. Couple of kids outside the chicken shop being cool Bushfire on the wind Coppers flying the other way And in my 
mentioned the title track, Water and Dust, which is not only a great image of Australia, but it also, that song introduces some some of the themes on the album. It's, it starts quite ominously, and you mentioned William Barton's Didgeridoo, and uh, it's a really good introduction to the album, isn't it? Yeah, I hope so. I'm glad you picked up on that. It's sort of, it sets the tone, I think, for what is uh, the vibe of the album and, and what is the sort of over overarching sort of uh, theme, I guess you'd say, the idea that we, we are not separate from nature, we are nature, and, and that's, uh, this is the sort of, you know, the, the exploration of that, those themes are throughout the album. Your Country, which was the first single, is a powerful song, as many of them are, and it could almost be a Midnight Oil song, couldn't it? I, I think it'll go down well with the Oil's fans, that's for sure. Well, I hope so. It's, uh, you know, it's, um, it's a song about us taking control of the place we live and, and trying to not let vested interests ruin our future. Um, so I think that that sort of storyline is not new, but it's certainly, uh, I mean it when I'm singing it. And it's from my perspective from going to different protests for, against CSG and against big coal and against uh you know poisoning the water and destroying the land you know it's uh that's what i'm passionate about and that's what everyone on that track is passionate about and definitely midnight oil are a huge influence on us as as is more of an influence is probably just you know uh the way that aboriginal people have lived here and the lessons i've learned from them over the last seven or eight years that's probably the biggest influence um getting in touch with you know, this country and, and learning more about it and learning how to be more in sync with it. And I think, you know, that's where Midnight Oil draw a lot of their inspiration too. They weren't the first to sing about these things. People have been singing these things about singing the love of country since we were around as humans, you know. So it's uh, it's something that I think if you're listening and if you're in touch, you can definitely uh, be inspired by Hey, with uh, two young children and a recently arrived baby, does singing these songs, does the message behind these songs have more urgency for you? Because when you think about what's going to happen in the future and you think about what our children are going to face, which is far greater problems, it seems to me, than we've faced, um, it, does it seem to be more, a more urgent message behind the songs these days? Nothing brings the future into sharper perspective than having kids and so that is um you're 100 percent right you know uh, when i think about my daughters and i think about my son i think about what sort of world will they be living in and it's my responsibility to contribute to their future and so as is it's everybody's to contribute to the future but i think you know having kids you definitely are aware of it you know and you see the destruction and you see the greed and you and really it's like it ain't going to work out well it's going to it's going to be a horrible future if we don't turn the ship i don't know if we can turn the ship but we certainly have to try because it's it's not looking good it's you know it's fucked it's so we have to you know do what we can on an individual level and as a group to try and turn that around that's the reality of it it, it can be a little bit depressing when you think about it, can't it? Yeah, it is depressing, uh, especially when the people who 
we kind of are, are supposed to appoint as leaders show no leadership in in that and so therefore they completely take themselves out of the leadership seat in a lot of people's eyes and we're just sort of running around without leadership so we look for leadership in other places and we find it and then you know hopefully we can commune in those places and and do what we need to do you know it's uh but at the same time we're talking about it and you have to have optimism and you have to be positive and you have to also put faith in humanity that we will survive but it's not just about survival too it's about just taking care of the place you know taking care of it taking care of biodiversity taking care on an individual level you know that's what it's about there's always you know we talk about oh we're going to go to mars or we're going to get off planet or we're going to do this we're going to do that we need to that's all fine and good but we definitely need to just take stock of where we're at i think it's happening too i think there's a big shift toward it all we need to do is get rid of some of the dinosaurs holding us back ask you about a couple of other songs uh keep facing the sunshine which is the second single it's one of those songs where the music contrasts completely with the lyrics doesn't it i guess so i guess so it's uh you know it's uh i'm glad you picked up on that that's cool um you know the lyrics for me are just about coming to terms with um your experience you know coming to terms with it just you know my wife uh jules and i wrote that together wrote the lyrics my brother threw in a line as well but and i wanted to make the music side of it as uplifting and as you know just sort of take you on a journey and i think it does that and then the vocals uh, the, the lyrics sort of tell a story and i don't think the lyrics are somber i think they're still hopeful but i think they're just a real reflection of uh an adult experience i can imagine people singing along to that and sort of halfway through say hang on what am i singing about here well, the idea of being a mountain and also a chuck in the gutter and, you know, you, we sometimes were thinking like my wife had the line, you know, I was a kite until the fire, uh, the wind was my friend until the fire came through, you know, that that's, uh, they're all sort of experiences that most of us have, most of us have those and, uh, and you do just have to keep sort of facing the sunshine, let yourself grow, you know. <laughs> Sunshine, keep facing the sunshine. 
There's a fantastic story in there uh, called Kalara. Can you tell us about that song? Because it's a that's a really affecting story. Well, I've been spending a lot of time up in the Wadigans, which is just near where we're living at the moment. And uh, so I'd head up there and just walk around and by myself and whatnot. Um, and, uh, of course, learning a bit of Aboriginal culture too from from the source. Um, and then uh, I was at the same time, I was also um, investigating some of my early heritage, uh, my paternal side coming out from Scotland. Um as convicts in 1844, um, you know, so all of that sort of culminated, I guess, culminated. And I had a dream about this particular story and uh, and I woke up and I wrote it down, to, you know, in a couple of days and it was pages and pages of, uh, of story. And then um, Jules helped me condense that down to what you, to, to a nice uh, seven, seven and a half minutes or whatever it is. But um, we condensed it down as much as we could and to still get the important parts of the story across, you know, and, and it's, uh, so it comes from, it's a mixture of everything. I think that song, but it's, uh, something was talking to me through that, not to be, you know, it talks to everybody, I guess, but it just, it's just writing, writing down the, uh, the dream that I had, um, and uh, which I think was fueled by what I was doing during the days. Um, you mentioned Jules helping you with the writing, working with the writing, collaborating, on the writing, uh, she's also singing on there, isn't she? She's on the particular. Absolutely. The- yeah, yeah. She sings. Uh, she's pretty much singing on all the tracks too, in one way or another, or playing percussion or doing something. She's a real creative force. streets of Glasgow His Majesty a dead I owe They threw me under the fortune And I lagged into Sydney Cove I felt the cat of nine tails Before my feet hit the yellow sand With boots full of love I trot on to a strange land Dragon Paul, three hundred lashes 
song Mary was wailing Smacking herself with stones While the grunners burned his body And for the night left her alone Closing the album is After All Good World. Now, tell us about that. Is that it says that uh, it's your take on a Henry Lawson poem. Correct. That's a Henry Lawson poem called After All. And when I first read that, I you know, was immediately taken by the sentiments of it, the idea that you know the, the world keeps spinning and it's beautiful. Uh, it's dangerous. And uh, the line that especially took me was, you know, uh, um, the one about the uh, the third verse. We let our enemies go by their old dull track, and those theirs be the fault or shame. The man who is bitter against the world has only himself to blame. And I think that that is a uh, sums it up really beautifully. The um, album, and uh, and so I really wanted. We, I'd had a different few different versions of it, but that was the band version that se- that seemed to seemed to stick. And I and you know I didn't really know the story of it, of how he came to write it. Um, but then I was having a yarn to old Jack Thompson, um, who's become a dear friend of mine over the last bit of time or whatnot, and he was telling me that Henry was in love with a, a girl, um, a few years his junior, and she told him that he she'd never she'd never marry a poet, she'd never do any of that because you know there's no security in it, there's no nothing like that. So he went away and he wrote that song, and she immediately uh, said yes. So it was. Well, you can see how that had happened. So it's got that romanticism in it, and the uh, toward toward your love, and also toward the bush, and and there's a realization in there that you know we are human, we come and go, but you know it's just a, it just sums up things beautifully. He was a wonderful writer, Henry, on a number of different levels. I think he wasn't just a you know just a surface level bush poet like some Sami. We really had a a sense of. Um, what else was going on you know he was uh, so he's a big inspiration in that way to me is he one of the people writers who've inspired you um over the years you know who do you take inspiration from when you're reading yeah definitely him um and lots of different uh things i mean i love sci-fi too you know um (laughs) awesome um and so i you know philip k dick obviously um you know and 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 i love of all sorts of different things i mean it's hard to name them um because then if i name two or three then you sort of get one picture but then i i sort of love the whole scope of thing i mean i read uh, i read uh i like stamets's um work on the on the mushrooms too you know I, i like all sorts of different different things like reading about sharks or like reading about you know the earth cycles so they um you know the last probably two or three years i've just been more trying to give myself an education because i didn't go to uni i didn't do any of that sort of stuff um 
so I've just been trying to read as much as I can across as many different fields as possible, especially history. I have a real a real love of history, and so I've been reading a lot about that, and you start to see certain patterns, definitely. I love, uh, love Chinese philosophy. Yeah, you know, there's pretty dense our old book collection here, and we've had a lot of time to read over COVID as well. finally ask you about uh, uh, Lost Without You, which is tagged as a bonus track, which is a fantastic song. It's probably one of the most up-tempo songs you've ever recorded. Tell us about that song. Well, that song's been around for a while, and it's always been sort of, when we play with the band, it's always been the set closer or the encore or, you know, it's always just, for me, it's sort of like a two-chord little jam that tells, you know, that tells a bit of a story about just being in a small town, you know, um, and it was written by myself and my brother mm. and Ruben um, just in one rehearsal going back a few years ago. And, and then people kept coming up and saying, oh, what album is that going to be on? What, what album's here? And so we ran it in these sessions and it came up quite well, I thought, like in that sort of captured the vein of uh, the intensity of a live show. And so we thought, oh, well, we'll whack it out uh, with this one. But it's been around for a while, that one. So it's... Uh, it's definitely um, a bit of a crowd favourite. And uh, Langy's adding a little bit of status quo magic in there as well. That's <laughs> yeah. pretty cool.
his album Water and Dust. That's William Crichton and the song Lost Without You. And we were talking to William Crichton in this Rhythms podcast. The other tracks we heard from the album, After All, Good World, in brackets, Kalara, Keep Facing the Sunshine, My Country, This Is Magic, and the title track, Water and Dust. I hope you enjoyed my interview with William Crichton and the music from the album. And I'll be back again soon with another Rhythms podcast. If you want to find out anything about the magazine, just go to the website, rhythms.com.au. It's coming up to our 30th anniversary issue. You might like to subscribe and make sure you get the special issue along with the CDs that will come with that. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back again soon on the Rhythms podcast.